What's up, everybody, and welcome back to uh, Gaming History 101's uh, podcast uh, with old people about old games. I am your host, uh, Fred Rojas, and uh, joining me tonight is a very special guest. Not Trees this time, but actually none other than um, Video Game Outsider's own Matt Bradford. What's going on, Matt? What's up, Fred Rojas? How you doing? Did I get that right? You got it right. That's it. Okay, excellent. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, uh, we've been talking about this for a little while, so I'm pumped to actually be on. Yes, yes. What Matt's talking about is uh, none other than Twin Galaxies, uh, which will be the uh, the topic for tonight's show. And uh, Matt, well, you know a thing or two about it because uh, you've written for them. You are a published uh, Twin Galaxies writer, if I'm Yeah, not- I was uh, editorial director for a couple of years. Um, before that, I guess just, uh, just a freelance writer, but I never got paid, so I don't know what that makes me. I think... Well, volunteer. in journalism, that makes you a veteran. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Especially in games journalism. <laughs> yeah, I was a Twin Galaxies intern for three years. Right, right. A full-time intern. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I was a senior editor on a website, uh, that gaming site, for mm. for at least a year, if not uh, two. I can't remember anymore. And, yeah. um, but, uh, okay. but you know what? That's the way to do it, though. I think if you want to get into actually start writing about games, I think you got to do that for a little while. I think you got to know when to stop a little bit too, Absolutely. but, uh, and I didn't know how to stop. So I just kept on doing it for twin galaxies. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, yeah, yeah, no. And, and definitely twin galaxies, as we'll talk about in just a second, um, uh, very formative to, uh, I don't know. I feel like twin galaxies was always this behind the scenes way of keeping arcades and gaming in pop culture. Even though it didn't seem like it was pop culture, um, especially early on in the late 70s, early 80s, um, it, it was covered more than people think it was. I think so. I mean, Twin Galaxies definitely kept the flame alive longer than it, it might have lasted without Twin Galaxies. Uh, and we can talk about it later, but I think definitely, you know, you know movies like King of Kong and the, the publicity they got after that, I think that's what actually kind of left it into mainstream. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. Um well, I guess we'll just we'll just jump right into it. So, Twin Galaxies, for those that don't know, one of my favorite <laughs> phrases on this show um, is basically a. It started life as a as a high score um, database, really. Um, right. Summer of 1981, Walter Day, famous founder of Twin Galaxies Incorporated, decided to go, and in four months' time, he went to 100 video game arcades and literally wrote down, from what I understand, in a notebook every single high score that was on these machines and then eventually went on to um, back where he lived in Iowa, Atumwa, Iowa, Atumwa. Yep. Yeah. Atumwa. Sorry. It was the pronunciation I was wondering. Um, I was there last summer. It's uh, it's an interesting little place, but sorry, go on. Yeah. Well, and again, I've been to Iowa many times uh, as a person who's had family in Kansas and Chicago uh, driven through there many times, but I've never been out to Atumwa. Um, but in, in November 10th, 1981, he opens his own arcade and names it Twin Galaxies. Um, starting in February 9th, 1982, he begins to uh, database his records and release them public uh, publicly as the Twin Galaxies National Scoreboard. So basically, you know, Walter Day um, created this concept uh, that, that was, I don't know about you, Matt, but, you know, I was born in 82, so very much ingrained even by the time I was five years old and got my first Nintendo um, with this concept of anytime you would get a really good score, anytime you would make this great achievement, if you could, you would grab the, the Polaroid camera and take a picture of it and 
wow, look what I've got. Or, yep. and what more more commonly happened was something awesome happened and you did not take a picture of it. And then it was just, uh, I guess I would say, um, schoolyard lore. <laughs> right. Or, I mean, if you're really dedicated, you set up a, a video cassette. And you just take like 16 hours of you playing and hope yeah. you catch something, right? Yeah. And hopefully your dad had a tripod. Otherwise that was one shaky yeah. cam. But, uh. Well, if you remember the Nintendo Power Days, like that's, that's all those pages were, were just people sending in their pictures of their TVs. Very the high much. Scores, so. right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I actually submitted a score once. Um, did you? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember what game it was. Um, and I can't off the top of my head. I just did remember. Did it make it to print though is the question. No. No, it didn't. Oh, I wasn't sorry. good enough. I sent it in. They, they were kind of enough to send me back a letter that was like, you know, you know, dear Mr. Rojas, I always picture Battle Creek, right. Michigan when I hear this, and, and, and they're like, dear Mr. Rojas, we cordially thank you for submitting your score to Nintendo Power. The Polaroid was great. but uh, Polaroid we is great. Yeah. We'll be reviewing this, and uh, if you see it in the magazine, good on good on you, you know? Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, so, and and really what he does at this point, and, and I guess I, we should talk about it, Um, last week's episode called... Uh, one coin equals one credit uh, was was all about kind of, you know, me and trees bouncing off of uh, the arcade world. But the golden age of arcades um, beyond Pong, but I guess to a certain extent, including Pong, um, was just single screen. Scrolling wasn't really a thing yet. And the whole thing was to get you hooked and give you a challenge that really was difficult to overcome on one quarter. But the concept was simple enough that you would be able to, you know, you'd almost get compulsive about it and want to replay it, much like we see with iOS games of today. And um, and in order to, I guess, justify some sort of competition, um, either within the arcade or on your own, um, they had to monetize your progress. And that was done through scores. And so that's how Walter Day noticed that almost everything was based off of scores. And... Um, I guess I would say to a certain extent, and uh, Matt, I don't know how much of an arcade junkie you are, but um, you know, once you bring score into it, uh, the dynamic of how one plays a Donkey Kong or a Pac-Man uh, completely alters your your gameplay style. Well, your mindset, your dedication to that game, everything. Yeah, like if you ever if you ever played Donkey Kong to just try to beat it, maybe get the kill screen. Um, and then you see somebody playing it like Steve Weeby or, or um, Billy Mitchell for score. Well, it's very methodical then, right? Yeah, you it becomes a science almost. You'd almost think they were playing it wrong because right, they're not right. trying to get to the top. They're not trying no, to – they're standing in one place. They're yeah. jumping where, exactly where they're supposed to. They're finding the tiny little pieces of the, the screen that they don't get touched in where they can leave it for a little bit. So it's very – it is a science. They study these games. Absolutely. And, I mean, the, the amount of time one spends, uh, especially when you get into Twin Galaxies, which um, Twin Galaxies – what started off as a database, and I mean, I'll just jump into it because there's not really much history to it, although there's a couple of things I want to build upon. Mm. Um, you know, Twin Galaxies becomes the the world championship. I mean, it is world records. That's what it's known for. It's it's known for establishing and, and defending the world records of, of any player who wants to come along, new or old, and, and play these games. And the the amount of hours one might have to do in order to achieve especially a high score especially in a popular game such as pac-man and or uh, donkey kong and i think more importantly too i think twin galaxies they describe the settings at which like these records had to be played on right i mean that yeah that was their thing walter day knew these games yeah they knew the game inside and out so they you know when you're playing a game pac-man in this city compared to a guy in the next city they're playing the exact same game because the settings are exactly the same and i think twin galaxies that's what they did early on 
Yeah, yeah, no, especially because um, I think the the next big thing that happens. So Walter Day establishes this arcade, Twin Galaxies, and he kind of creates this database. And um, I do remember he did he did some challenges. I guess the two biggest states that were bringing out high scores at that time were North Carolina and California. Kind of makes sense. These are kind of pinnacles of the East and West Coast. Um, and he did an all-star playoff, um, playing 17 different games in Lakewood, California, Wrightsville beach, North Carolina, uh, California ends up defeating North Carolina, which is ironic. Cause if I were to guess, I would say the East coasters are better players. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like all those guys who are the, the record keepers traditionally, I guess, old school, like life magazine, 1980s, right? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I felt were from the East coast, but that may be because of certain biases such as, um, you know, Twin Galaxies has a location that's very Midwest, but um, uh, Fun Spot seems to be – maybe it became that. I, I don't actually know that side of it. And, Matt, if you do, feel free to let me know. I feel Fun been, Spot seemed yeah, like – Yeah, Fun Spot's always of, been there. Sorry. Yeah, it was like the mecca of Twin Galaxies, to me at least, or these players. This is where they all came together. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, he, he continues to do competitions like this. Um uh, throughout the early 80s, um, including California, North Carolina, Washington, Illinois, Nebraska, Ohio, Michigan, Idaho, Florida, New York, Oklahoma, Alaska, Iowa, and Kansas, which is really weird. That's like kind of all over the place, even though it has a, a mild Midwest focus. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, Twin Galaxies eventually um, gets picked up. Uh, I think it's in 1983 by the Guinness Book of World Records right. and start saying, hey, okay, here's, you know, form teams, make this competitive, and let's get this going as kind of like an eSport. Um, One and... of the first eSports, maybe. Yeah, I would argue the that. first recognition of eSports, the first mainstream recognition of eSports. Yeah, and those, uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to downplay. The, the biggest mistake I think a lot of retro gamers make or retro people who cover retro is this concept that there is some sort of snark or um, – disdain for the modern game and i don't feel that um Who, I, amongst I, retro gamers or amongst i guess i guess yeah. amongst the retro gamers that seem to find themselves in the mainstream like i always feel that unless uh, the biggest one i can come up with is is jeremy Parrish. now as as an editor as the editor-in-chief of formerly one up um you know i mean the the man definitely dabbled a lot in modern day gaming but there always seemed to be just this certain snark like they didn't have the appeal of um retro games you know that modern See, day I, games i i kind of maybe disagree i think okay. um i think one of the things i did notice when i was with twin galaxies was there was that i wouldn't even call it snark maybe just kind of superiority or maybe just uh, not a willingness to kind of embrace the next wave of games just that you know um, elitism, die hard. El yeah, elitism. This diehard adherence to the fact that you know the games we played in the '80s were the best games that ever were and ever will be, and games that came after that. Because you know when we we focus on some of the modern consoles, we focus on some of the modern games, they wouldn't get as much play. Uh, and in fact, they'd be kind of torn down a little bit because they're they're new games. So right. and we can get into that later, but I think that's maybe Twin Galaxies was the '80s, '90s. I think maybe they didn't embrace the the future as much as they should have. No, no, and I and I like I said yeah. I would that that's I guess you're thinking we're disagreeing, but I I, I agree with that. Like I oh, feel on the that, same page. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. that retro gamers seem to have this disdain towards modern day games, whereas I do not. Uh, uh, I I, okay. I tend to feel that they're apples and oranges, frankly. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and where I go in that whole thing, I guess it's just uh, too much of a simplification. Like, I don't want to, you know, dissect whether or not I care whether I'm playing, you know, <laughs> a new right, game right. or an old game. Um, they're all fun to me. But um, but because of that, um, you know, I I really feel that, uh, um, that you know, with, with Twin Galaxies, I guess it was a way to, to kind of record um, a good player. And kind of be impressed by by what they have to offer. Whereas in today's games, especially because they're more story driven and, and much longer in scope, um, mm. it's harder to see the achievements within each game. Um, I think you're getting that a little bit back though with the indie games that are coming out that employ kind of a, a more simple kind of mechanic, or even just like you said, the iOS games. Right, right, and I think that's a good thing. Like, for everybody who hates social games, like, there is benefits to these little bite-sized games because they are, in some ways, the modern-day arcade, and we kind of touched on that. And and, and I guess literally, too, with Dave & Buster's having, like, Fruit Ninja and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, early early forms of uh, publications such as Video Games Magazine, Joystick, um, that's Joystick, um, S-T-I-K. R-I-P, R-I-P. Right. And uh, computer games, video game player magazine, and all these uh, kind of picked them up as the official, you know, uh, high scorekeepers. And then um, eventually USA Today starts picking them up. Um, and and I mean, this really when Knight Ritter gets on board, Knight Ritter being one of the major magazine public or magazine newspaper publishers nationwide. When everybody gets on board with this, this kind of gives accreditation to um, Twin Galaxies. Um, and then there is the. The infamous Twin Galaxies, November seventh, nineteen eighty-two, Life magazine photo shoot. Right. Um, which is, uh, if if no one's seen it, it, it is really kind of a, a pivotal um, picture of, uh, you know, the the kind of Twin Galaxies team, and they're all standing with their arcade machines, the ones that they've bested. Um, and they recreated that last year too. Did they? Yeah. In oh, I actually haven't seen that. That, that two would be years awesome ago. To see. It was it was pretty neat. Yeah. And that is the uh, the infamous Billy Mitchell photo where if I was him, I wouldn't want that in existence. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Billy Mitchell's a good guy, but wow. Wow, that's a uh, – you know, and we'll talk about it with King of Kong. A lot of yeah. people don't think Billy Mitchell's a good guy. I'm glad you said Billy Mitchell's a good guy. I'm glad I'm him. glad you said that because uh, I've met him too. He's – we can I could talk for hours about like that whole dynamic. Billy Mitchell is what Twin Galaxies needed and still needs in a sense. Absolutely. He, he – he he strikes me, and you feel free to adjust this to your liking. But yeah. he strikes me as like, no joke, the 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 confident rock star of video gaming. Yeah, I'd even I'd even cast him more as you know in wrestling. There's a heel who knows he's a heel, and he he plays the role so he go. can get people excited about competition. Billy Mitchell's the yes. heel, and he knows he is, and he does such a great job of it too. Oh yeah, he begs you to challenge him. Right. Um, and and you know what? And again, um. Again, we're kind of dancing on it, but you know, and it's it, it's interesting to see how that's all covered, um, especially with um, the whole Steve Weeby Billy Mitchell thing. Because when I yeah. saw them at E3, yeah, that that kind of like tense monotony that you kind of catch from the King of Kong doesn't really seem to exist. No, and I'll be. I mean, I've seen them both in the same room. If you hadn't seen the movie, you would never know there's any animosity between the guys. Exactly. I've seen them go for lunch together. I've seen them walk. It's and we can talk again for hours about the King of Kong movie, but um, you know that was a fabricated drama for the movie. Um, yeah, yeah. As, mu- as much as you and I playing know. a game would have a competition, like we'd still be friendly. Yeah, we could sell it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could sell it. But at the end of the day, we'd shake hands and, and go our opposite ways. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah so uh, so again twin galaxies really starts to gain hype uh in the 80s um and um some of the big things uh there are countless um articles everything from Arizona Republic in 82 talking about um um, you know, recording the the world's high score versus the Pac-Man record in the Charlotte Observer in July 1982. There's a bunch of other things that bounce back and forth in 83. And eventually, the big thing that happens is the U.S. national video game team is established by Walter Day as team captain July 25th, 1983 in Ottumna, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa. Why did I say it? Wisconsin. Oh, bleh. <laughs> I think the big thing here, I mean, this is two years after he, you know, officiated Twin Galaxies. So, I mean, this is, yeah. this is a huge kind of like ramp this, up. This ramped up. Yeah. This, this yeah. went mainstream fast. Right. In a year, you're, you know, you're a, you're an arcade owner that establishes it because of your fascination with uh, people and their high scores. You're in the Midwest. And next thing you know, a year later, you're in Life Magazine. And two years later, you're getting yeah. covered in Guinness and you are founding, again, like we said, the kind of the, the building blocks of the eSport. I'm sorry. Did you mention like the That's Incredible, the ABC? Because that was that was a big kind of turning point too. When they were on ABC doing that big thing with Ben Gold, that yes. whole competition, right? Actually, if you want to if you want to yeah. build more on that, I know of it, but uh... I mean, essentially, I mean, I won't get into too much, but I was like their kind of big first TV appearance where you know Twin Galaxies convinced ABC TV to film um, uh, a competition between like the it players of the day. So they had Ben Gold. A bunch yeah. of other people, and they they did it on TV. It was a big event, and that's still whenever Twin Galaxy people get together, that's still one of the events. Well, they and talk remember about. he was yeah, and and because of that event, Ben Gold, um, who you're mentioning, was crowned the first uh, video game world champion. Right, um, he right. took it. Um, and it's interesting to watch if you can find it on YouTube. That is a fantastic thing to watch because it's just kids playing video games but they are so intense about it and they did such a great job of just filming that competition they really did yeah. and have you um do you know if it's on youtube uh i do i found it when i was looking for it a couple years ago i don't know if it's been taken down it's called that's incredible I yeah i'm, I'm, I'm pulling incredible. it up right now um yeah. i'm gonna let you guys know if it's there, but if the Star Wars uh, <clears throat> Christmas special is in there, uh, I think we're I think we're pretty safe. But that was um, that was pivotal. Right? That that show was pivotal to their success too, because that kind of just you know made it official that video games were a big thing on the scene, and that Twin Galaxies was the name behind it or the competition yes. aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, it looks like there's a lot of clips. Um, you could probably piece it together, and I'm sure somewhere buried in here is the full special. Right. Um, but yeah, that's incredible. Is uh, is definitely covered on YouTube, but and it's worth seeing because um, it, I don't know. To me, there's still some fascination with watching people play old school arcade games because I'm good, but I'm not great. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, it's not like these people. Like, uh, I mean, you know, even especially now uh, with when you're talking about like taking the world title of uh, you know Pac-Man or of Donkey Kong, these are. These are machines that that people have memorized the you know the algorithms and or AI mechanics behind them so much so that you're actually challenging your kill screen. You're right. trying to milk as many points out of it. You're almost breaking the game's mechanics uh, to try to do something that wasn't initially intended to ever be done. Oh, the main key to being a world record holder on these machines is finding the exploits. Absolutely, and. That's... Um, 
you don't play it regularly if you want to be a, a world record. Champion. I read like a like a thirty five page you know dissertation on how to <laughs> properly score boost in Donkey Kong, and yeah. the idea that people like Billy Mitchell and Steve Weeby have not only uh, you know kind of written the book on this, they showed off the techniques that people are talking about, but the idea that they spent hours with like wax paper on bezels and. Um, and memorizing just, I mean, pixel by pixel movements. Uh, and just to be a shit disturber, then you got to ask, you know, <laughs> is it a is it a competition of skill or is it a competition of obsession? <laughs> like, at I, what it's point probably does skill a little from column A and a little yeah. from column B? Like, at what point does skill stop being a factor? And it's the guy who spent the most amount of time in his life memorizing when to press a button. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah. um, you know, and there's there's a part of it. There's there's like a twofold part of it. And again, yeah. Matt, I don't know when, when exactly you got into gaming, but I remember using graph paper to draw my first uh, Goonies 2 maps <laughs> and my first Legend of Metroid Zelda. maps. Yes, there Absolutely. you go, Legend of Zelda. And um, uh, it's funny because I talked to somebody. They were like, yeah, I've, I've been really getting into Genesis RPGs lately. And Genesis RPGs were pretty famous for being relatively faithful ports of uh, PC RPGs. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I heard Fantasy Star is really good. And I was like, well, one and two are... <sighs> Break out the grid paper, bro, because like they're 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 just nothing but endless dead ends. And uh, Fantasy Star Two actually has a teleport dungeon mm-hmm. that you can literally get stuck in for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I'm like, that's fun to some, <laughs> but I will never go back and replay <laughs> Fantasy Star Two. Um, and uh, and again, to a certain extent, it, it kind of harkens back to those days. It's one of those things where you know I kind of have an issue with with gamers that are like, well, if you if you're not willing to break out the graph paper and and do this, then you don't understand what's good about this game. Well, mm. no, you can appreciate it without actually participating in it. And I think that's 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 the part of it that I love about. Twin Galaxies and, and all these record holders is they can show me, you know, Donkey Kong play or Pac-Man play on a whole new level yeah. that, that yeah. I can't even touch, and I enjoy watching them do it. There's a, definitely a genius level there, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot savant, maybe, but uh, but I don't want to... Yeah. I don't want to talk down to what they're doing. No, no, and I don't intend to do that either. I mean, you, you watch these guys play or even talk to them play. Like, this is something they've... That they're just born innately good at, and it's it's very interesting watching them play and and watching them see what they see in the game. Whereas like guys like you and me, and I'm maybe I'm talking for you, but me, I I'm not good at arcade games. I love playing them, but I play them to win. I don't I don't know the tricks. I just play them to win. And I'm usually out in like ten seconds. <laughs> I'm good at arcade games in terms of completing them. I yeah. wouldn't. And, and again, I I get to cheat. I mean, I've had a Mam Cab for a few years now. I've I've <laughs> yeah. tried to one quarter many games um, just because I can. Um, yeah. But you never got that kind of practice. That was the point of the arcades was that you weren't supposed to get that kind right. of practice. It might be um, geography too. I mean, because I was born in ni- uh, 1981, November 15th, actually, five days after Twin Galaxies opened, which is kind of cool. I'm um, about two months <laughs> younger than you, so you just to, to date it. Um, but it might be geography too, because where I grew up, there wasn't as many arcades. So, I'm, like, I cut my teeth on the Intellivision essentially, so I was at home. Oh, wow! And then I went into the Nintendo. So my experiences were more of like thing of the long form games. Like I played um, Dungeons and Dragons on Intellivision. Which do you did you ever play Dungeons and Dragons on Intellivision? I have not, but I do. Again, I know of them. I've heard of the spectacle that is D and D on. It was one of those games that was never completed. First of all, so you spent. I think, and I watched my dad play an entire day. It just returns you to the first level, and he was madder than I'd ever seen him ever in his life. But it is one of those games where you have to sit down, 
and plot out everywhere you went. And that was, that was kind of the appeal to it too, because you were your own map keeper, basically. Yeah. Yeah, no, and there's 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 yeah. a strong appeal to it. I get to cheat a little bit. I was um, raised in a, in a suburb about 25 miles north of Chicago, um, so much like John, actually, of VGO. Um, we were kind of – it was a hop, skip, and a jump to the train station, and then you're downtown. And um, to this day, there are some strong arcades that exist in downtown Chicago, and uh, right. you could find a lot of them. Uh, plus, we also had Six Flags Great America – um, mm, which yeah. I was like 10 miles from. Um, it was a, an easy jump, and, and my parents loved to drop me off there because they could get rid of me for a day. And <laughs> um, and there were a lot of arcades there too. So, I mean, yeah. I, I got to cheat a little bit, but but to a certain extent it was it was a very expensive <laughs> cheat. Um, <laughs> and I definitely didn't get to live the, the golden days of the arcade, the pre-86 stuff. Um, I yeah. kind of came into it around the Street Fighter times. So it was a lot of people getting their ass kicked because uh, – <laughs> Because you were cheap, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Jab, jab, jab. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> Dragon Punch people uh, got weeded out very fast. Take <laughs> um, into the alley and shit. <laughs> you didn't even have to go to the alley, man. They were uh, – I, I talk about it on, on last week's show. Uh, it was it was literally like a, a storage facility that they wired electricity into. And so <laughs> if you were getting your ass kicked in the corner, no one even knew it. Yeah, it's so dark in there anyways. <laughs> And in the random event, a 16-year-old walked by and saw you getting your ass beat. No one cared. Like, yeah. they just kind of moved on. Must have been uh, a dragon puncher. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, he was Ryu. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but, uh, but yeah, on the on uh, jumping all the way back to... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to... No, no, no. no. I'm, I, I totally do the same thing. I derail <laughs> the hell out of it, and then I just whip it back. Um, the first six members on Twin Galaxies teams, very, um, very well-known guys, in my opinion, if you're into arcade culture. Billy Mitchell of Hollywood, Florida. I still love the fact that that's where he's from. Um, not the Hollywood you've heard of. <laughs> but uh, And he was definitely known for having the most world records. He had five in 1983. Uh, then there's Steve Harris of Gladstone, Missouri, not far from me, about 40 miles. Um, he's significant because he created egm electronic yep. gaming monthly um yep. love steve harris uh jay kim comes out of miami florida steve if ben, you're listening i'm a freelancer by the way yeah yeah hey plug plug also i just want to point out a little connection here yeah um egm loved aliens colonial marines i didn't think it sucked just saying yeah. Anyway, um, Ben Gold, obviously world's first uh, uh, world champion, and definitely he got a lot of coverage from ABCs. That's incredible. Um, got a lot of interviews after that time. Um, kind of brought him to nicest guy minutes. too, though. Never turned yeah. into a big maniac either. He's the nicest guy if you see him today. Yeah, no, he's not like some certain record holders that just can't keep their faces out of the documentaries. Um, <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, last but not least, the most unfortunately named uh, on the U.S. national team, Tim McVeigh, um, out of Atumna, um, yeah. and he achieved the first uh, one billion point score on a video game. So, um, not to be mistaken for Timothy McVeigh. Um, just no, he did not go on. Not the same person. No, <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, to to the best of my abilities, he likes all people of all. Uh, Another very uh, down-to-earth guy who yes. will happily show up to any Twin Galaxies event and shake your hand. And and he's he's fucking amazing at some games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it really is a spectacle to see these guys. I've been to Fun Spot once. 
um, for an event and um, just to see these guys go and just the the random games you wouldn't think one would dedicate their time to that these guys have like mastered on you know kind of like you said on like a programmers or a molecular level right i'm trying to i'm having a hard time remembering what tim mcveigh was famous for though i know there was one game that you know well, and I, yeah let me let me find out real quick while we kind of wax off each other but um yeah there i know for a fact tim mcveigh um obviously uh i think the biggest thing he was known for um was um his billion point score but i forgot what uh there's a uh, marathon. I think it was on Nibbler. That he did. Nibbler, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he got a billion points on Nibbler in 1984. Uh, January 17th, 1984, he scores 1,042,270 points on Nibbler. Gads. And plays it forever. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how long he played. Uh, sorry, on this article I'm reading real quick, uh, it doesn't say exactly how long he played, but that no, would take he you... he beat it recently, too, though, that's a thing. As in oh, the really? last few years. Yeah, Tim McVeigh. Jeez, I should know this, too. I think I did an article <laughs> on it. <laughs> but basically, uh, and for those that don't know Nibbler, it's, um, it's like Snake meets Pac-Man. Yeah. Uh, for lack of a better term. And like you said, uh, it's another one of those games, just one simple mechanic, but, you know, you can get obsessively good about it. Absolutely. Um, Tim Nibbler interview. Here we go. Um, Christmas Eve, 2011, around 11 p.m. Tim finally stopped play with one billion, forty-one million, seven hundred sixty-seven and sixty points. So I guess that's the new record. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so, and a lot of people ask me, how do these guys play for eighty-four hours at a time? And uh, the answer to my question there is. Well, I mean, from what I know, they build up enough lives and then just step away. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's um, and like we talked about the exploits. I mean, sometimes there's a place on the screen where you can safely leave your guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah there is definitely with that. Um, real quick in the chat, just for fun, I'm putting the uh, the the infamous uh, Twin Galaxies uh, Time Magazine photo, which I, I happened to find in one of the things <laughs> I was I was doing some research on. Um, but yeah, so so that's kind of how Twin Galaxies establishes itself, and um, and they do a lot of different things. In '85, they end up doing the uh, the Iron Man Championship, which is kind of what I would think of as like the golden age of MLG, you know, Major League Gaming, mm. things like that. Um, but the '80s were an amazing time for Twin Galaxies, and especially for Walter Day. And you know what? Uh, I, I don't want to necessarily gush, but again, I have absolutely no connections to, you know, uh, like I said, journalistic integrity or, you know, taking sides or worrying about advertising. So I would yeah. like to say um, that I just think Walter Day did something very cool. And it's like anybody could have thought to start a database of world records, but this guy did it. Like he just flat out did it it's not like he had this you know and, and perhaps he did but it, it it wasn't really about being you know i guess i would say coming up with the idea but more so bringing it to life and not only did he do it he passionately kept up with it through the good and the bad and that's the thing he didn't it sounds cliche but he didn't do it for fame like this was walter's mm -hmm. passion like he loved his arcade in Atumwa. Uh, he loved kind of following these players. Like he treated them like they were his sons almost to a degree. He's just, he's just very into it. He kept it alive. He continues to keep it alive. 
You know, he continues to put on that ref suit and show up at stuff. It's yeah, no, he does, and again, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> he doesn't seem to uh, Ron Jeremy the situation. I, I you know, <laughs> I, as much as I love Ron Jeremy, I feel like he'd show up to anything that you invited him to just because you'd take his picture, and um, that's not why Walter does it. No, no, he um, does it to keep the spirit alive, to keep the to keep the foundations of Twin Galaxies intact throughout all the owners. He wants the actual heart of Twin Galaxies intact. Right, right, right. Did I tell so, you related to him, by the way? Uh, no, I dropped that maybe. off as much as possible because it's kind of cool. <laughs> you know what? Maybe you did talk about that on a VGO. I just, uh, yeah. I tried, he came up to me. Um, we were doing. We were in Natoma two years ago, and he said, Matt, did you know I found out we're related? I'm like, I'm cool with that. I don't need any explanation. He's like, we are. I, I've got the paper. I'm like, don't worry about it. Just, just let me have this. This is awesome. Oh, there you go. See, it runs through your veins. Yeah. So you may not be amazing at arcades, no. but you have the power and ability to lead them. I love games. I have the passion. But, there you uh, go. I, That's all you need. There you go. <laughs> it's all you need, man. It's just I keep dream. derailing this thing. I'm sorry, man. I just <laughs> no, no, Not at all. I'm so uh, proud of that fact. I'm just like, because Walter Day, like, he's, I, it's impossible for him to walk in a room and everyone not get up from what they're playing and be like shaking your hand. Well, and so let's delve into it right now, because this is the perfect time to do it. So this is the reason, and knowing what I know about these guys, and, and having met some of them, and, and I'm not going to lie, I, I met all these guys after King of Kong. So did I. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, that, I mean, for all the good King of Kong does, and it really does, it gets the name out there. It's known, even if you're not into games, people are like, oh, no, no, you need to see this. Because everyone can dig Donkey Kong. Everyone gets it. Yeah. And, um... At the same time, there is some, in my opinion, and again, this is, we're getting down to geek them, but you're yeah. listening to a retro podcast, so I guess I don't have to tell you that. Yeah. Um, you know, there there is some detriment to it. And the reason they had to do that was because to get this mainstream, King of Kong had to create, you know, kind of a protagonist and an antagonist kind of circumstance. They had to make a story up. The problem I have with it, yeah, well, no, they did, yeah. and it was very clearly, I mean, even the cover art shows off Steve yeah. Weeby versus Billy Mitchell, and Billy Mitchell's a very easy person to make a bad guy out of, yeah, because he's not, <laughs> I he's, confident. I say, he's confident, yeah. he won't, you, yeah. he'll, t- he'll be the first one to raise the Billy Mitchell flag, right? Absolutely. Um, at the same time... Um, and Steve Weeby's just such a nice guy. Like, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to be an asshole about it, um, <laughs> Steve Weeby, I could just walk all over. Like if I was a female, I could take advantage of him for days. Like he just makes it too easy or at least his personality seems to suggest that. And yeah. his person, and again, this is from the, the point of view of King of Kong and, yeah. and, and Billy Mitchell's the kind of guy who you like hope his wing sauce, like poisons a bunch of people and he goes out of business <laughs> tomorrow, you know. That's, but at the yeah. but at the end of the day, when you meet these guys, they're not either of those archetypes. No, but you, really. you know what? If you want to spend a day just talking about King of Kong, all you have to do is mention the movie to anyone in that movie, and they'll tell you a million reasons why it was was falsified. Or, or oh why yeah, it, and yeah. It, it's it's totally attacked within the arcade world, like yeah. especially the guys who were in it. Yeah. Um, because there, and and again, we're not going to go into conspiracy theories. This whole concept of whether or not they were appropriately, you know, I don't even uh, think we could, man. It's like said. there's so many surrounding this film. There's exactly. volumes of 
volumes of pages that people have written about this one. But it painted Walter in a bad light, too, which is what I took And that's to. my problem. The the victim out of this, kind of caught in the crossfire, because yeah. they had to do this, is they kind of evil empire Twin Galaxies. Because yeah. Walter has this past, and because he's so connected with Billy Mitchell. I mean, come on. Like, the King of Kong makes it seem like, oh my god, if you didn't know, like, Walter Day and Billy Mitchell, like, know each other, and they have this huge yeah. sordid history. Well, yeah, he was the captain of the U.S. team, <laughs> and that, anything yeah. covered in the 80s has Walter Day and Billy Mitchell side by freaking side. That's because, a really good point, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like we didn't know. But right. but you know what? Most people don't know, because who cared, right? And for those that did care, they weren't watching King of Kong. They were probably either too old or too young. Right. And so, as a result, they get to be... They get again. It's it's great storytelling, but at the detriment of everyone involved. Would, in it, I think. Yeah, it, it's kind of like imagine if there was a documentary about like vehicle creators, and in the middle of it, they talk about how Kelly Blue Book is just worthless, mm-hmm. or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't know music. You know, right. it's it's it, that's the problem. The utmost authority to this day still publishing the Guinness Book of World Records on video games, this this database keeper that has religiously stuck to his, his you know, kind of laurels on this stuff. And more importantly, and Matt, you kind of talked about this at the beginning, but we didn't really expand on it. I mean, these guys will come out. You can't just take a picture of you getting a billion points in, you know, a game and send it to them. And they're like, oh, okay, new record holder. No, no like, I mean. Yeah, and that's, sorry, let's jump in. But I mean, no. I think that's what I, I dislike the most about the film after I, I love the film when i watch it but now looking back after i've talked to people i dislike the fact that you know uh it, it started off as you kind of like you know the movie wanted to show kind of the the love of the community and you know what a great group of people these were but then they just completely kind of assassinated twin galaxies character by showing walter day taking scores at random or you know not double checking right. or updating the website without even like uh doing his due diligence and that that, that really bugged me because that well, was it not real kind good. of out of context especially knowing I mean, these guys, these guys don't arbitrarily do this stuff. No. They had a code of, of conduct and, and I mean, they, they, it was very open. It was very open. Like, it's not like this was all hidden materials. And again, just like with the Billy Mitchell, uh, Walter Day connection, this movie seems to like uncover yeah. the mysterious connection to all, everything that's happening. Yeah. And, and that's not the case. No. Unless you ask Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> And uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, angry. well, you know, yeah. There's there's Dwayne Johnson, and the, and then there's whether or not you think Missile Command's a real game. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but uh, all picking on the easy targets aside, yeah, low uh, group, yeah. um, but uh, but you know, in the, I guess in that movie, you see things like them coming out to check Steve Weeby's cab. Mm-hmm. But they would. Like, this is no different than they've ever done. Yeah. Um, Except they and frame again, it as, like, a home invasion in that movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but I really find it hard to believe that that was exactly what it was. And, and on top of that, if you're going to submit to, um, you know, the, the video game Hall of Fame, you know, I, I understand that the traditional watcher is going to go, who gives a fuck? Right. But... These people take it seriously, and there's a good reason for it. They're, I mean, you know, if you're going to do something, do it right. And they have integrity that they want to preserve with this. And so, yeah, absolutely. I don't care if you think it's important or not. 
they think it's important. We think it's important, and and that's what matters. But again, it was so, so sinister the way they portrayed it in the film. Oh, it's like you almost expected the wife to be tied up in the back, like screaming, trying to dial nine one one. It was just very creepy. <laughs> like I just found him in my garage tinkering with the cabinet. Like no, that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, and and you talk to Steve Weeby about it. And again, that's the one thing, especially when doing research for this, because I I contacted a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is good and, for and, research, I guess. Well, and 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 for the record, Walter Day, um, in terms of anything regarding this film, has not responded to it, and I don't even expect him to. I, I told him I was like, yeah. if you want to speak to it, you can. If you don't, it's it's not a new concept. It's not a new venue. And I and I even told him, and I think that's true for this show. My focus is not on uncovering the mysteries and all this stuff about the high scores of arcade games. I actually just appreciate Twin Galaxies for what they are. and um, But it's, it's definitely something that needs to be discussed. Um, and on that same regard, and again, we can bounce back to King of Kong. Is there anything you wanted to say before I move forward into a different movie? No, I just want to kind of justify why we need to talk about King of Kong. Because, I mean, we talked a bit before the show. I mean, King of Kong marked a time when Twin Galaxies was huge in the community. After King yes. of Kong, that's when, like... Other people started noticing Twin Galaxies. That's when it became almost a household name. Not when it came in on theaters, because I don't think it did well in theaters at all. I don't even think I think it was like select theaters. Well, I saw it at the Chicago Film Festival, but again, I was a film yeah. student in Chicago at that time. Like, that's not <laughs> the main. The, yeah, that's not no. typical America. <laughs> when it when it caught on DVD, that's when people picked it up, and that's you know that's when I noticed Twin Galaxies myself, and that's when actually a lot of people who worked with Twin Galaxies in my time, that's when they came on board. So it is a very important part of Twin Galaxies history. Well, yeah, and I think I think the problem with it, or I wouldn't even say problem. I think the concern was, and I even noticed this because I knew of Twin Galaxies well before going into this. I just didn't know so much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, was I walked out of there and I was like, "Wow, that wasn't cool." And my buddy was like, "What are you talking about? That's that that's awesome." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "No, no, no. the The story was cool, and it was great to see this insight into classic arcade gaming, but it paints a pretty negative light on." What I think of as the utmost authority on on high scores. Yeah, like you heard the like you knew the name kind of before he went into it. You didn't think it was that big, but then afterwards, I was like, "Whoa, yeah, okay, Twin Galaxies is kind of cool." Yeah, yeah, no, like, um, like, yeah, I just I just walked away from it and I was like, "Wow, you know, I mean, at this, it, it gets the name out there, but at, at what a cost!" That's exactly. And again, it. yeah, you know, you bounce along that fine line of do, you know. Do you? You're not going to get the mainstream to feel about video games and high scores the way you do, right? No, no. So you just accept it, and you're like, okay. And and again, I, to, despite what we're saying, um, I I don't have a huge issue with the King of Kong. I think it's a it's it's a fun movie that that kind of sheds light on this stuff. And and for all it does do, um, this this whole negative light is almost to kind of flow the story as opposed to anything malicious towards any of the parties involved. You know what's funny about King of Kong, too, is that, you know, 90% of the people who saw it don't actually give a crap if it's true or not. They went, on, they went about their lives, and they have not thought about high scores since. The people, and I've, yeah, and yeah. I've not gotten into discussions with people about it for that very reason. And that's you know the what thing. I mean, I mean no, no one knows it. The people in the arcade community who are up in arms about it seem to think that the entire world has this view of Twin Galaxies. When I think maybe they would be better off knowing. Actually, no, no one really cares except you guys who are just arguing the points to each other. Like everyone who's in that world knows the movie was kind of fake. Well, and and you know where I learned this from, Matt was. Um, 
getting with chicks in high school. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, like <laughs> the school like, of hard knocks. You just gotta know when to drop a point. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> and I think that was where it was. But that uh, that's not to say that I don't like you know going off with with people like you or or John or or various other people in the arcade community or anyone at Fun Spot about it. And again, it's still got that weird negative connotation where it's like you don't really talk about it. But have you ever met someone who's like, yeah, it was all true? No, no one thinks it's no. true in the arcade community. So know. it's it's like an echo chamber when you talk to this about people cuz no and one, maybe that's yeah. where it should remain. It, yeah. it brought it to the mainstream and no one cares, yeah. right? And those who are involved know better. And no one cares. So leave it at that. It brought attention <laughs> to Twin Galaxies, and the people who actually are invested in this stuff know it's false. So, you know, let bygones be bygones. Let it die. And yes. And move forward kind of thing. Now, there's one other movie I want to talk about, uh, and we don't have to go too deep into it because I think this does it much better. I think it handles King uh, the the story of King the King of Kong kind of tells um, better. Mm-hmm. Is uh, chasing ghosts beyond the arcade. Now, have you ever seen this movie? Absolutely, it's a great movie. Okay, yeah, and I think it's on Netflix. Yep, that's where I found it. There's a okay. bunch of good documentaries on Netflix. Video game. There is. You got to be careful with that history of video games, the NBC special or whatever, because it basically goes. It spends 30 minutes to get to Pong, and then gets you to GTA 3 and five more. <laughs> and <laughs> then like, there was more what? stuff. Yeah. So, um, which, by the way, um, just to uh, kind of date stamp this this show, I got to tell you. I'm TiVoing or DVRing uh, the Oscars, and apparently our chat has absolutely no interest in talking about anything. But so I can't wait to see what they're all talking about. But that's uh, fine, whatever. I'm but anyway, um, yeah. So Chasing Ghosts is a really good, um, um, cool. Um, it, Chasing Ghosts is a is a is a great documentary that kind of just touches on the same subject, but doesn't have. It doesn't have to weave a story because it knows it's going to have that niche audience. And I think with that strength, somebody who per se is watching or is listening to this um, could could enjoy more. Um, It's not – I wouldn't say it's better than King of Kong, although I would say it's more factual. So in my mind, that makes it better. Yeah. but it, it just really tells you another perspective. It's it's kind of like the special features <laughs> documentary behind the King of Kong. Yeah, you know, it's, it's less like the showy. Real story. It's less of a spectacle, but it is more down to earth, I think. Right, and 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 just uh, this is more recent. It's not even out yet. Um, but just since we're on this this whole uh, kick, and this will come full circle at the end of it, at the end of the show, um, there is a new documentary coming out uh, called The King of Arcades. Now this focuses. Nice. Not on Twin Galaxies, um, but rather on um, uh, Richie Knuckles. There is a connection, um, of course. Absolutely, Richie Knuckles um, was a uh, he's he's a great arcade player, as far as I know, um, and like many of them, got so dedicated he created his own arcade, and then um, yes, <laughs> and uh, and uh, didn't know if you want he, to drop that yet. But. Yeah, we'll drop the bomb. And and he is now currently uh, Walter Day did uh, step down as as owner of uh, of uh, Twin Galaxies. I think he just you know for lack of a better term. Well, retired. actually, yeah, I'll step in. Sorry, I just step in there because this is where yeah. I think maybe the the back facing end of it wasn't too known. Uh, the previous owner was a guy named Pete Bouvier, who worked um, uh, in concert with Walter Day. Walter Day was kind of the masthead. He's kind of the figurehead, the main guy, but. 
Pete Bouvier was the actual owner who sold it to Richie Richie Knuckles. Oh well, there you go. And he, um, I didn't know that actually. I'm I'm sure I've I've read that somewhere, mm-hmm. but um, but he's Walter Day's just it's so funny too because such a free spirited kind of low brow. Um, he's he's very casual. He's again he's not showy. Right. Uh, Billy Mitchell being you know kind of the showy part of of twin galaxies and and arcade record holders um walter day is anything but he is um (laughs) he's the yoda you know what i mean he's the (laughs) obi-wan he's 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 calm he doesn't need to tell you what his you know what his value is he he's just there and 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 you know does what he does um but but at the same time such a a pivotal you know i could show you uh, i could show anyone who's big into arcades a picture of walter day and they'd identify him in a heartbeat Right. Um, and I'm I, myself included until this moment, you know, pretty much thought of him as as the the owner and, and founder of of Twin Galaxies, which to a certain extent he was. Um, but, you know, like you said, the owner of well, Twin I mean, Galaxies. It, it was it was only up until recently that Pete Bouvier bought it out from uh, Walter Day. Uh, I'm going to get my mirrors. Uh, 2005, 2006. So it was only recently that uh, Pete Bouvier bought Twin Galaxies, the, the company, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where it went through a lot of its growing pains in the past few years, which if you've been following Twin Galaxies, there's been a ton of growing pains. So that's that was under the Pete Bouvier regime. And now we're just seeing it pass over to the Richie Knuckles, which is a great home, in my opinion, because Richie Knuckles has that association with Twin Galaxies and a lot of its players through his arcade. Yes, he does. And and he does own his own arcade. Yeah. Um, I think it's in New Jersey. Yeah, him and his partner own it, uh, Jordan Adler, I believe. Jordan? Yeah, Jordan yes. Adler. Yeah. Yes, yes, and and that's that's what should be stated. So Jordan Adler, I believe he's in Colorado. He owns One Up, yes, the arcade. Yeah, and then Richie Knuckles owns the New Jersey arcade, and together they purchased and own um, Twin Galaxies. And if you go to Twin Galaxies right now, um, it's just kind of like a hold on. We're we're putting together the database. We're we're getting it all together, and it will go live soon. Mm-hmm. Um, which previously, if you had gone to Twin Galaxies website, um, I mean, it really was like I mean, it, it had a, a big scoreboard for all the scores that people are looking for, and then you could delve into the archives and see, yeah, all the the records and 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 very well documented when when they came in, and so um. And so that's going to come back live uh, very soon, but it all came to a head very quickly. And I, I would like to say for the record um, that it was not six months ago, man, like maybe yeah. even less. Like it was like October. We all figured out that Richie Knuckles and and um, Jordan and yeah. uh, Jordan Adler had had taken possession of it. And in in what I would say is pretty stunning uh, for this type of against change uh community yeah uh there was a a strong embrace of of these two taking over and i can offer some insight into that actually (laughs) well please do i mean the short story is uh jordan and richie are more are owners who know the community and know the history of twin galaxies and know the passion that goes with it so i think uh, people who uh, saw it under Pete's regime, and Pete had a lot of very lofty goals for Twin Galaxies, but um, where I think he wasn't connected to the community as well. So a lot of those goals, he didn't have the community on board with them. So we, we tried to launch a lot of cool things, um, but they never got off the ground. So I think moving to Jordan and Richie now, I think you're going to find that uh, the community is, is, is along with that because they've seen these people grow up through Twin Galaxies. I'm kind of rambling, but I'm I'm kind of dodging the issue. No, no, that no. 
maybe I'm dodging the issue. Uh, Pete Bouvier was a was a businessman. He saw Twin Galaxies as a bona fide business, and a lot of the time spent with Twin Galaxies was pursuing legal action against people who were trying to steal the database from Twin Galaxies, which were a lot of people. There were a lot of kind of other scoreboards kind of popping up around the internet. So instead of move forward with well, our, and that was yeah. that was kind of the way unfortunately it worked, right? I mean, let's yeah. face it, most games press today, they're just re reprinting what somebody else has gotten. Right. So I mean, we had in we knocked heads a few times. Pete, Pete was a nice guy. He, he'd always listen to you, but there was a lot of knocking heads because there'd be some people on my end who'd say, like, can you just stop focusing on people who are stealing our scores and let's just let's just be the Twin Galaxies. Let's be the, the masters of the scores. Work on that angle. Let's not worry about everyone who's stealing our database and stuff like that because that's just going to be a losing battle. But there's a lot of time and money spent in pursuing legal action. So I think now that it's in the hands of people who just want to see it get back to what it does, which is take scores, I think people are, are very positive about that which i can see yeah. um and and here's here's me kind of being a dick um no, no. yeah i see the value in both and yep. i think as we see traditionally throughout history um and again they're, they're both business owners um yep. so hopefully adler and knuckles can can come together and um, handle this uh, in the right way. And again, I, I feel those are very appropriate hands. But of course, like you said, the community is going to embrace their peers. And yeah. there is no doubt that these men are their peers, yeah. um, both of them, yeah. uh, for very strong reasons. Um, and uh, But the flip side of it is, you know, you kind of start seeing this, especially as somebody well, actually, you and I have dabbled for a long time. I, I don't know about yourself, probably at least as long as me. Um, I've spent a good six, seven years in the freelance world. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. and you, I mean, serious, like, I don't know about you, but I go half staff every time, like, you know, somebody offers me a paying gig. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, well. <laughs> That's a good way so to So do I get to it. sleep in the cot in your bathroom for the hotel room at this uh, event? Yeah. No, no, no. You, we're going to give you 300 bucks and fly you out. Oh, oh shit. Are you serious? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> what did I do? You, know, you, you tell your wife, you're like, I might have to quit my current job. Yeah. Like, this is just a thing. You know, anyway, <laughs> um, having seen that, uh, y I don't know. I at least see that there there needs to be a balance somewhere in there there needs to be somebody who's watching out for the legal and financial benefit of the company while um a figurehead um Walter Day is a perfect example but i think Richie Knuckles and to a certain extent Adler um do yeah. uh you know kind of speak to the community somebody they can trust you're right somebody though. who they feel is watching out for their better interests it's all the balance right i mean I, yeah you you touched on a good point like it wasn't wrong that Pete Bouvier had a mind for business and wanted to monetize Twin Galaxies. I think where things didn't take off was that was 90% of the focus. So instead of you know dedicating efforts to kind of maybe pushing more into consoles, keeping up with modern gamers, kind of uh, pushing that marketing to you know guys like today on, on modern consoles, we kind of focused a lot on punishing anyone who wanted to take what we've done in the last 20 years. So. You do need to have that balance, and I think that's what Jordan and Richie bring. From what I can tell, Jordan's a very 
both of them are very business oriented and and both of them have that passion so i think it's going to do well yeah i mean owning their own arcade helps yeah, yeah. a lot <laughs> in my opinion well no because i mean like if you want to talk about a business that is a a you know we talked about it last week yeah you know anybody who tried to do this i mean for the most part across this country it doesn't matter where yeah has kind of failed yeah yeah you know what i mean and or turn into one so of those it, stupid ticket booth thingies where you just skill skill games for, which is even worse. It's <laughs> depressing, man. I've seen so many arcades turn that way. Oh, I know. I uh, you know, I, like I said last week, I talked about uh, this this little dam that's that's up here in in kind of rural Missouri. That's like a tourist trap. Yeah. And it used to be a place where you would just go and play Elvira pinball for an afternoon, but now. You know, it's been so over-encompassed with, you know, spin-to-wins and fucking, yeah. you know, it, it all angers those ticket me, machines. Man. <laughs> I used to go to these things and play pinball. Now I'm playing, like, fucking, you know, drop the ball on the monkey for 10 tickets to win a stupid pen for 1,500 tickets. Yeah, well, I had the weirdest debate with someone today, which was whether or not, yeah, no, today. Yeah. Like, uh, today I was I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and we had this debate over whether or not our kids benefit from the fact that they are, like, Shitty spectacles that are are not unlike Barnum and Bailey in the forties. Yeah. Versus the idea that they were places where people from the ages of like twenty one to twenty five would smoke a pack of cigarettes and drink a six pack of beer and stumble all over small children. <laughs> and yeah. and I'm saying this as somebody who has a sixteen to seventeen month old daughter here. Yeah. Um I'll take the smokers that are stumbling over the pack of children um, <laughs> over what has become of the American arcade. I will let I her take her lumps if I get my arcade back, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, it's just you, you, you learn little things. Like, don't put her on the bar stool. Just keep her down there. She can not learn that one. She can figure it out on her tippy toes. You know, I mean, it's cool. She stays, as, as Trees put it last week's episode, she stays under the cloud of smoke. It, it stays <laughs> clear. Safe. At best, it rains a little beer, but you know what? Kid doesn't grow up with a little beer on their, uh, you know, on well, their forehead. You know? right? I mean, we're all parents. <laughs> like our, my parents smoke. Well, my dad smoked a lot, so I, I know what it's like. Well, there you go. My grandparents smoked like chimneys. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, you know, and uh, and I used to uh, apparently I used to chew on the rim of beer cans when I was uh, teething. Explains a and lot. And so every picture of me looks like I'm chugging a beer. Um, <laughs> Which is kind of relevant to my 30s, so you know, hey. But uh... just age that a bit, and you're good. <laughs> but no, I know what but... you mean. I, I would gladly trade the the gong shows that are the the skill game arcades now for the dingy, you know, even if they're old games, because I know that was the big problem. Like you couldn't, if you were an arcade owner, it was hard as nails to keep people coming back to play new games because those new games cost like forty, fifty grand. Right, and, and and I mean, and we uh, again for those that want to know kind of how arcades tried to stay in business and things like that, we touch on it. I might get more into the business side if I can get if I can catch John. He was out of town for last week's episode. So he says, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, well, actually, I think he showed pictures from the from 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 the concert. So I think I he I'll give him that much. He was well but, prepared. Uh, no, he he's got his, his excuses <laughs> well laid out. <laughs> but um, but all all excuses aside, um, you know, I mean, we were talking about Jam Awards and how, you know, I mean, the arcade manufacturers back then were like, you absolutely have to give us a solution that doesn't include buying a new arcade cabinet right. and finding a way to dispose of the old one when we're trying to do this. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, here's hoping that uh, 
you know, and we've kind of jumped around, but here's hoping that, you know, under the new leadership, um, <clears throat> that not only – I have nothing but confidence that it will uphold Walter Day's vision. Here's where I think – I just hope that it can financially do it. I think – here's where I think the stumbling block will be. And I don't – I'm not – I don't know their business strategy at all, so I don't say they're doing this. But I think if they if they ignore modern consoles, if they ignore that side of it and, mm-hmm. you know – continue to devote most, much of their energy to the old school players they'll make a lot of people happy in that community but they'll also kind of just cannibalize their business i mean those people aren't going to be around forever you need to you need to really get the 15 16 year olds who are playing call of duty really really well you need to you need to be the twin galaxies for them now you need to be um i don't know if that includes new software or deals well, with how the hell do you monetize that <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Not, well, not monetize it. Sorry. How do you quantify it like you would a high score? Well, there's high score. I mean, I'm just I'm spitballing right now. But yeah. I, there's high score. There's leaderboards with every single game now. Um, so what yeah, will it take? Hour by hour. Yeah. What will it take for Twin Galaxies to get in bed with you know Sony, Xbox Live, and be like, we'll handle that. Our servers will handle that, and then we'll provide that expert angle to it too. So we'll watch the games being played. I don't know how that actually plays out but uh there's room to be that expert again because who is that expert right now when you submit a score to a leaderboard there's there's no one i know myself i'm kind of i'm always like the the developer is to the best extent but where's Um, the trust do you ever trust the high scores on there aren't cheating like for me i'm like well and how the hell do you you know yeah matt quick go get on the internet right now and give me the leaderboards for you know zen pinball <laughs> well that's exactly it. and every table yeah and those aren't going to be immortalized like zen goes under there goes all the scores right so i think there's room for an expert like twin galaxies and i think that's where it needs to go right now if it wants to and that it can get the money to do all the old school stuff off of that right well and and just so you know matt and i'm i don't know if you are aware of this or not um on 216 um they recently updated their their boards to say that uh no platform will be abandoned, so nope. they are yep. going to go that far. No, that's good. And like I said, I, I don't know. Um, unfortunately, I'm not you know with Twin Galaxies anymore. Uh, they they kind of went in a new direction. I think there's a lot of well. If you want to hash it out, let's do it. <laughs> the story I was told, um, and the story that they kind of conveyed on Facebook one time before taking the message down, is that if you were part of the old Twin Galaxies. Thanks for your time, but you're not needed anymore. I think there's there's a stigma with how it was run under the Pete regime, um, and that people who are under Pete uh, and working with them, they just don't no part to do with them, whether or not they did anything. So I think they're moving forward with their own crew, um, mm-hmm. for better or worse. And you know, I I feel kind of left out in that situation. You know, I did a lot a lot of work for them for three years. Um, I don't even know because all my stuff was archived with them. I don't even know if that's coming back. So it, it feels to me like. You know, like it's immortalized on these books on my bookshelf, man. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, you know the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I do. I do absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, they were the spectacle of another company that that recently went out of business, uh, Blockbuster. Yes. Um, if there is one person who gave a shit about <laughs> the Guinness Book of World Records, yeah, uh, uh, it's it's definitely the uh, the his name was Frank, uh, which was weird because people always thought. I was Frank because Fred. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was this weird, chubby, had weird sideburns kind of guy. Yeah. Um, goofy as fuck. But you know what? He he sold it. 
He sold me on Retro Gamer Magazine, which I still have now. Yeah, yeah. Guinness Book of World Records, all that stuff. Like, I have all that stuff because he, like, sold the gospel of, like, <laughs> having those things for future reference. Yeah. And actually, I, you know, I, I have some of your, um, some of your work. That's awesome. Uh, published. It was funny when you were talking about it. I was like, oh my God. Okay. Let me, let me see if he's actually written some of this stuff because I mean, I was surprised at how easy it was, um, to find out who wrote what. Yeah. In yeah. that Guinness Book of World Records because I don't know. I guess when I think about being 15 and looking back at them, I didn't care or know who wrote those articles, but you start paying attention to the authors. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> Um, I mean, that's one of the proudest things I've done is that the last two years of that writing sections for that, like that's, and I wholeheartedly believe that you need to get that stuff down in print. And that's why I'm kind of sad that, you know, there's, there's a three years of work that was amassed on this old site that I don't know if it's going to exist anymore. Like I, when Pete sold the thing, I was honestly that day thinking I'm going to put together an invoice of all the free work I did for him and just get him to pay me. Cause it would be in like Tens of thousands of dollars. Well, maybe I'm exaggerating, but it'd at least be like a few thousand dollars, uh, at least by my freelancing rates. But just because I felt like very bitter that there's going to be this chunk of history of Twin Galaxies that it might be known as kind of the growing pains, the, the step in between maybe Richie and Jordan's new legacy. But there's that there is that step where we did some pretty cool things. We did some pretty cool competitions. Now that's just kind of been erased, and the people who worked with that have kind of been dismissed. And it, the word is dismissed. I mean, there was some verbiage between kind of yeah. what Jordan and Richie said on Facebook and, and formal messages that, you know, we weren't to be kind of even acknowledged, right? So, I mean, I, I've been part of a company that was sold to another company and I was um, <clears throat> an expendable asset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, to be honest, like, I quit. I'd resigned from Twin Galaxies, I think, months before the sale um, just because I'd. I'd Kind of. Oh, I was gonna say, if you quit the day of, bro, like they yeah. don't, they don't count that. <laughs> no, but um, and I, you know, I, yeah, I, I resigned. I was just kind of like, you know, I, I got to move on because for me, I'm not getting paid. I need to. I'm, my work's increasing with Guinness and Games Raider. But you know, when Richie bought it, I contacted Richie. We talked for a long time. Uh, super nice guy. Uh, I'm not just saying that. No, he he's definitely passionate so you know maybe we'll work together down the road i just hope that you know the efforts of what myself and guys like you know richard booth and dave nelson there's a lot of guys on board that are kind of gone now just out of the ether so mm -hmm. you know it's my hopes that they they get remembered somehow if, if their work's on there or something no no absolutely yeah and uh, you know i think the unfortunate side is that a lot of the work that was done um, especially in the mid 2000s, uh, really isn't documented that well. No, I got to tell you, Twin Galaxies goes through a decent gap. Yeah. Um, and just so you know, we're gonna we're gonna bring in a guest for a little uh, little future talk in here in a sec. But um, <laughs> but Twin, uh, you know him. Uh, Interesting. Well, <laughs> no, wait, wait. We're gonna bring Derek in. We're gonna bring. Oh, Derek we're gonna bring Derek. Gonna Derek in. Some, oh, yeah, good. Yes. Gonna call yeah, me we're a gonna have some somehow. I don't know. <laughs> Matt, it's cool. The Aryan Brotherhood. Um... <laughs> I'm wearing my robe. You said wear your robes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's it's interesting when you even if you look at the timeline by Twin Galaxies' own accord, um, there's these weird gaps. Uh, the first one coming from '85 to '97, where <laughs> they just like they aren't there. And Twin Galaxies is very busy during these time periods. Mm -hmm. um, 
for lack of a better term. I mean, they, they jump into, first of all, arcades. Um, arcades kind of take a step back in the mainstream, especially in America, because of um, Nintendo and the whole Nintendo culture. Mm-hmm. But arcades were still very much alive. Um, and to sit here and tell me that in the world of, of, of a, a world that existed with Neo Geo, um, which I think to a certain extent SNK kept alive, um, the concept of arcade and scorekeeping mm-hmm. better than pretty much most developers out there. And then you also get into, you know, just the whole Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, you know, and various others world. Right. Um, I think competitive arcade gaming was stronger than ever <laughs> in this weird uh, downtime. And then yep. they get back involved. They start, um, you know, working heavily with competitions and um, – they do all kinds of interesting stuff like Tony Hawk 2 World Tour, Unreal Tournament, interesting things like that. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of dance out from 2002 and come back in in 2008. Um, which, get this, so Steve Wiebe starts trying to go for the King of Kong World Record. And actually, later on that next year, he attempts it, um, I think at PAX. Mm. I don't remember exactly. And then I remember seeing him at E3. Um, I was at the E3 that Steve Weeby was at. Oh, so uh, they'd let anyone in, if, if that's any indication. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so uh, so it's it's interesting. Twin Galaxies has always been there. Yeah. I, I just don't think people appreciate it. And if you get into this stuff and you start playing these games and you start looking back at the scores, um, you can really get lost for a long time uh, checking out the high scores. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, every single one of them, I'm just like, oh, fuck, no, you know, there's no and way. And I think it's really important. You said uh, – you mentioned you know, they did a lot of work. I think it's really important to know that the past few decades, it's, it's all been volunteers, right? I mean there's yes. no one – there's been no one on salary for Twin Gal. These are referees who have voluntarily stayed up all night watching some random dude play 12 hours of a game. Like it, it, it's all heart. Oh, it's man. all passion by a lot of volunteers. And, and like in King of Kong, they couldn't uh, – I forget his name, but he is like the head judge. Watchyaker. Is it Watchyaker? Yes, yes, yes. And probably butchering his name, by the way. Well, yeah. (laughs) And he's a perfectly fine Robert Merziak. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I had to go on Wikipedia for that because I know that guy. (laughs) He's totally cool. Like, he really is when you meet him. Except for the vagina paintings. but. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, there we go. You can't get around... The fact that that you know they just they just couldn't have picked a more eccentric, interesting <laughs> character yeah. to represent everybody who's fact checking yeah. Twin Galaxies. Yeah. And again, it, it just speaks to all that. So just so you know, most judges are not quite at that level. No, but he was <laughs> also one of the most phrase. like devoted referees of his time. Too. But that man will watch 15 hours of you playing Pac-Man and notice every little bit. Yeah. If you skip a frame, <laughs> he'll he'll catch that shit. You'll see a side of motherfucker out of that. <laughs> that is a person you want on your uh, on your side when you're trying to uh establish this stuff. I mean, yeah. these people take these things seriously. Yeah. There's no question in my mind that Steve Weeby who seems to almost sacrifice um the well-being of his family for the sake of the Donkey Kong yeah. uh, World Championship, which is far from the truth, yeah. but that's how they make it look. Um, I think we're missing another. Maybe, Sorry. Well, I was going to say maybe Breaking Bad kind of 
sheds more <laughs> positive light on that kind of character. That's funny. But uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I think we I, I we probably I know you're not done talking about Twin Galaxies, but I think we gotta you know talk a tiny bit about Todd Rogers about what he brought to it too, because that was another guy who kind of stood as a bit yeah. of a mascot, and he was um, I forgot his formal title, but he was kind of the chairman of doing stuff for Twin Galaxy for a long time. He was like the official well, yeah, no. masthead guy. And, and the evangelist, so, that's right. Yeah, he's the chief evangelist. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so, so I mean, do you want to speak anything to, specifically to some of his causes or some of his achievements? Well, no, or? I just I mean, if we're going to talk to him, I just want to make sure that his name gets mentioned because he has been another guy there from the start for Twin Galaxies. Sure. And he's been a very... He's been a very vocal supporter of Twin Galaxies. You know, he's he's a very yeah. opinionated guy, and he's if you can get him on the yeah. phone, he will tell you the most crazy stories about porn and stuff. Oh, I, I just... That's my goal. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Actually, like I, I, again, you know, I, I jokingly talked shit earlier, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I love those stories. Yeah. Like I, I would love to hear those stories. Um, I can tell you that arcade gaming has brought me many positive things in the past. Yeah. Pussy not being <laughs> one of those. You've never, you never picked up an arcade. And I've just said it. <laughs> I wonder the ratio no. of world record holders who have used that to get laid. Yeah, no, I can't lie. I've um I couldn't pick up the the um the fat lonely chick at two AM um <laughs> rocking out like a killer score in gauntlet. Like it's just Kill screen coming up, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Take a step back. Like my wife often says, like, she loves me in spite of my love for video games. Um That's all right. And she likes video gaming. Yeah. Um, it's the arcade shit that she really <laughs> loses track with me on. Yeah. You know, I gotta, I gotta tell you, like it's, it's that repetition that, that, that really turns the ladies off. So for a man to have launched even a short-lived porno career on it, <laughs> well, tip my hat. Yeah. Um. So okay, you ready for some fun stuff? We're gonna bring in somebody else, and we're gonna talk about the potential future of Twin Galaxies. Absolutely. I got about twenty minutes left, my friend. And I've got okay. That. Sounds good. And we will. Uh, we will be wrapping this in less than 20 minutes. I promise you that. With Derek, so. you're bringing Derek on. You're expecting to wrap in 20 minutes? Yes, Derek is awesome. <laughs> and he, uh, he he keeps it short and sweet on our show. Okay. Yeah. Not VGO. We'll see if... Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's up, Derek? Hello, uh, Matt. Hello, Fred. How you guys doing? Hey, what's up, Derek? How you doing? I love doing good. So I mean, Welcome aboard. I wish I wish the show was daily. In fact, uh, Fred, please make <laughs> I it wish a daily show so I can so I will enjoy it every day. Yeah, Fred's very he's very good at the uh, he's a very good talker. I like him. Now I'm glad you guys didn't bring me on 30 going. seconds earlier because uh, I know of a guy who tried to get laid from video games. Oh no, you you've walked yourself into this story. Oh, okay, go. Uh, <laughs> it was you, wasn't it? Tell. So I think I, I tell you, I either told you or I either told Matt on the phone once or I told Patrick uh, Scott Patterson on the phone. Was about, it Patrick Scott Patterson? I could see it being Patrick no, Scott it Patterson. Was Scott, he's the guy I told, but I was at a party with a, uh, let's say a world record holder. Okay. And, okay, I'll tell the story. Yes, 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 absolutely. At a party with a world, 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 with a world record holder. Um, also, I'm there with uh, with some friends of mine. A couple of those those friends are very attractive young women. Uh, they come to me later and say, "Hey, uh, 
so and so is having an after party at his at his uh, in his hotel room. I was like, really? I didn't know about it. He said, yeah, yeah. He told us. He said, don't tell anybody because uh, he wants to keep it. He wants to keep it a uh, low key. But like since like we came, I came with you guys. It, like you guys are of course invited. Uh, he doesn't don't don't tell him. We don't tell anybody else because you know he said don't don't tell anybody. And so we're like, oh okay, cool. And so later that night, as the party is rolling down, uh, I would go up to the world record holder who is talking to uh, this attractive young lady. And I'm like, hey, guys, uh, looking forward to the party later. He's like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, uh, the after party at your your hotel room? He's like, and then, then the girl looked at him and said, yeah, remember you told us that you have the after party at your room. You want me and the girl, you want me and her to come? And he was like, oh, yeah, you told, oh, uh, you know what? It's getting kind of late, and I got to get up early in the morning. Or else and my name I, isn't Billy Mitchell. It was not Billy Mitchell. <laughs> Surprisingly, I see him as being faithful to his Yeah, name. you're right. I, I see that, too. <laughs> oh, man, it's Ben Gold. Something with the mullet and the, the, the USA tie. I don't know. I'm and so hoping guy, Derek would let slip the name. The guy who did who who it was, uh, I'm sure he did have to get up early in the morning to fly back to his family. Yeah, but Who lives where? Oh, so uh you heard it here first guys steve weeby totally boning like young chicks i'm just kidding we be Derek's friends all i was all i will say is that after after that night uh i like when it comes to a certain uh, rivalry i fall on the billy mitchell side that's all i'm saying Whoa. Oh, whoa. oh shit i was just huh. kidding um anyway uh <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, we might have just ruined a family tonight. No, no, no. Um, so, uh, well, that, like I said, um, I've never truly even accidentally brushed against a female while playing an arcade game. Um, so I give credit to those who, who can use it as a positive. I think all gamers have that time in a relationship where they have to admit they're a gamer to their significant other. Like, you know what? I, Matt, there's, there's, I used to run an old uh, video game show yeah. uh, called Video Game Purists, um, which uh, I, my co-host was named Hefe, and he was he was an accountant, and he was a very straight laced guy, and and he was one of those guys who was like a partier first and like a gamer second, yeah. um, and it was very interesting going through all that because uh, because he was one of those people who like. I sw- I shit you not, man. He had this a- incredibly attractive girlfriend, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's considering proposing to her. We are like two years into the relationship, <laughs> and he is completely <laughs> hiding this misplaced video game addiction that is currently residing in his closet. <laughs> if she ever took the time to open it, and it was just absolutely hilarious. This guy would sink like. 30 hours into playing too human with me. And then I would go out to dinner with him and his girlfriend and my, my wife and I, at the time she was my girlfriend, we'd go out and it was always like the talk we're getting ready. And I'm like, honey, you, you can't talk about video games. Okay. So don't be like, Oh, you know, you know, Hefe and Fred, you know, they're always online together and stuff like that. I was like, you can't say it's like a like drug that. addiction. or something. He's, he's going to lose his mind. Right. You know, and it was, it was absolutely hilarious. Like this guy was like, he treated video gaming like one treats an awkward fetish. It was it was amazing. Um, 
And so I guess to a certain extent, some people live the lie. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I mean, uh, I definitely, it, there's always a time in my serious relationships where I have to finally just say, like, you know what? I really am into video games. Like, I'm not just a casual player. If you phone me, I, odds are I'm playing a video game. <laughs> You have to know that when you date me, you're dating the video game. Yeah, and, my, and that's um, what my, just my wife is amazing because she'll know. She'll give me that time on the PlayStation 3, and uh, we all get along well. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and, and that was my whole thing was you've got to – You've got to do that. Like, don't. She has Gilmore Girls. I'll let her have Gilmore Girls. Not that anyone's looking for dating advice on Gaming History 101, but be upfront with your girl. Let her know early on what shit she's getting into. And if she leaves you. You don't want her around. It was never meant to be. And if you need Valtrex afterwards, you know, yeah. have better judgment in your in your motivations. You what, but, you know. Nothing's still. worse than living with a when you when you're talking to her and she's like, uh, you're like, you look, I, I like video games a lot. She's like, oh no, I like video games too. I love video games. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> I really like video games. I like Angry Birds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's when you have that conversation. Like, uh, like I remember my wife burned through all the Halos with me, and everyone thinks about that as a great achievement. But it was, it was fun. It was like Halo with training wheels. But like, it was. <laughs> Yeah, and she knows it, and I know yeah. it. Like at least she acknowledges it. But you know, I mean, for the most part, you know, uh, it's it, w you learn to work off your compulsion. I I progress through Skyrim while she is getting the new high score in Jetpack Joyride, <laughs> and we all are happy together. You know what yeah, I mean? You've got if it's gonna work, she's got to be okay with you saying, "I need some time to play." There yes. can't be any resentment. Yes. It, it can't. You can't be feeling like you're sneaking it. And I'm being serious here. No. You can't feel like you're sneaking your gaming hobby or else it's not going to work. Because mark my words, you will cheat on your wife with your video game. Yeah. And I know that sounds weird, no. but it's totally you true. You will be in a hotel room with your 3DS, <laughs> like, playing as much as possible because that's the only time you can play. And you'll feel bad about it. Yeah, you will. You will. <laughs> and that's when you know you failed. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, Derek... Uh, real quick, um, and I don't know if I'm reading into this too much, but you said you wanted to talk about um, about uh, the future. The future. Uh, yes. Yeah, you guys. I think I like. I wanted to call in because uh, I just wanted to be the uh, the guy on the opposite side of the fence because it sounds like mm -hmm. to me that both, and which is uh, entirely credible, that both of you guys are on the. Uh, Twin Galaxies needs to stay a certain way, and even if it changes, it still needs to keep certain things. I'm on the other. I'm on the side where I'm like, at this point, Twin Galaxies really does need to have a fundamental change in what it does and the way it does it. And I'm not saying that they should erase like old arcade scores or anything like that, but I don't think that should or can be the focus of Twin Galaxies going forward. And I think it needs to move away from just simply uh, collecting high scores and high score attempts to actually being something more of a competitive a com uh, a competitive type um, organization like a MLG or a CGS was, yeah. where they hold tournaments, where they have where they have leagues and they aren't just worried about who's a world record holder of all time, the greatest world record holder of all time is like, well, who's the greatest this year? And we'll start over next year and we'll see who's great. Because games have changed a lot over the years and Twin Galaxies needs to 
uh, change to keep up with them. Well, that's what I said during my rants about it needs to get into modern consoles and that whole modern space, right? I mean, um, when I say it, it, it needs to, I think it needs to retain the Twin Galaxies kind of legacy, the passion of being the authority in high scores. But yeah, you're no, you're absolutely right. It needs to find a new way of doing that other than taking the same game, taking the same arcade game and recording the same guy doing the same thing in an arcade game every two years. Yeah, like- well, and just to jump in, actually, so, I mean, Derek, if I'm correct, what you're saying is uh, not only do they need to appreciate uh, the games of now, contemporary gaming, but they also need to rethink the way they do things because while that worked perfectly fine for arcade games of the 80s, mm-hmm. um, nowadays it's not really as possible and, and or effective um, as it was, and the top the top games right now. Like if you look at the top games uh, slash gamers today, like that the actual names, none of those guys play games with scores, and so you can't yeah, look at them and say, "Look, this guy is the world record holder in Call of Duty. This guy is the is the the world record holder in uh, Starcraft." It doesn't it doesn't matter. It's like saying uh, this guy is the world record. Like uh, the Patriots are the world record holder in football. Like. Yeah. I see your no. I see your point. So every you need to calculate it differently. You need to different ways of you know defining gaming achievement. Maybe. Yeah. Well, instead of world record holders, you need, uh, think it needs to go toward world champions. And to do that, uh, at first, maybe it is just looking at saying, okay, the MLG champion is this guy, so therefore he, Twin Galaxy recognizes him as the best Call of Duty player in the world. And then needs to transform from that to Twin Galaxies holding its own uh, championships and leagues. And not just in a few top games, as many games as possible. Like, Well, and, and like I said, it, it seems like their goal is to do that. Let's see their effectiveness in, in doing as such. But I agree with you. Yeah. Like, I mean, they need to... The 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 Steve Weebies, the the Billy Mitchells, and 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 the past are important. But you're right. Like somebody, uh, it, I was listening to a Giant Bomb recently, and they were talking about the fact that there there is a po- distinct possibility that somebody got into gaming when they were 10 years old with an Xbox 360, mm. and they have not seen a console generation happen, mm. and. That rings true with me. And so you sit there and you start thinking about it and you're like, okay, you take somebody from that perspective. What in the world do they care about um, Steve Wiebe or um, Walter Day or or any of that stuff? And, and how do you get them interested in something that speaks to them? And even the games themselves, when you – like I, I think Donkey Kong is a great game. I think Pac-Man is a great game. But – and it's been tried. You put that. You put that same game in front of somebody today. They literally laugh. They uh, and, and they don't take it seriously. Like, no, no, this is a hard. I remember that game. Yeah. You're like, ah, ha, ha, this is dumb. Okay, now, or they, they'll play one level and then throw it away and, and never look at it again. And you you need something like and then then like Pac Man Championship Edition comes out, which is a great game, but it's kind of you know it's not really you're not really Pac Man. You think well, this is what this is what Pac Man is, young people. So like, well, yeah. It's the modernized yeah, version of Pac-Man. Like yeah. Pac- it's Pac-Man for bells and whistles. This is the uh, every person gets a trophy on the losing team <laughs> Pac-Man. Yeah, and like that's what and that's what you have to and like if that's what you have to do to say this is what an arcade game with a score is to people, then I don't want you shouldn't even want to have to do that. You're like you know we need to move on yeah. and and maybe have like a a legends or a classic section 
like for the Steve Weebies, for the Todd Rod, because Todd Rogers is never letting it, letting it go, no matter what. <laughs> like have something for them, but also saying moving forward, this is what we're going to focus on. Like if you guys want to still submit, submit away, but like we're not going to have the Kong off two. We instead or Kong off eight or whatever you're up to. Yeah, yeah. Like we're instead we're going to have a Call of Duty championship. But you've got two well, arcade owners. Do you think they're really going to move away from that kind of stuff, though? Well, and that's that's the concern. Yeah. They're claiming they will, but that is the concern. Yeah, but arcade owners, uh, as just like you guys were talking about earlier with the move to uh, redemption stuff, at the end of the day, every arcade owner is a money-grubbing scumbag, and they will do whatever it takes to uh, make money. So I think if Richie looks at it and says, like, I need you to do this to make this profitable, and not just Avi. I think that's what he'll do. And for I'm going to play Devil's so. Sorry. Well, no, I was going to say so. According to to what that theory. So I guess uh, Richie needs to hire Fatality. <laughs> I would look that would be and, a and get some shit. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. Like, you know, get that shit together. I mean, but yeah. So Matt, what were you? Gonna I'm going to play Devil's Advocate. I like I said, I'm going to say it again because I don't know their business strategy, but. Part of me thinks the purchase of Twin Galaxies by these guys was to say, you know what, we're not going to evolve it much beyond what it is now. We're going to take what it is now, perfect what it is now, uh, run these competitions until everyone dies off. And we're quite content to do that because we've got we've got that market. We have no ambition to go further than that. And I'm just play devil's advocate. I don't maybe that wouldn't be a horrible thing to have Twin Galaxies just go out that way. Maybe it doesn't need to become the next generation. Maybe it's time is with the same crowd. Maybe that's where it ends too. Would, would that what, be so bad? Yeah. What happens to people that strive for excellence in video games? Where do they go? Well, or someone you... also, if, if, if people need an authority, someone will come in that place, right? I mean, uh, you've got gaming leagues popping up. It's, it's not twin galaxies duty to take up that role. Um, I, I, I agree with you. If they want to be profitable, they, that's absolutely what they have to do. But maybe, maybe their mission isn't to become a prop. Not, that's stupid. Maybe their mission isn't to live the next 50 years, but instead maintain the heritage of Twin Galaxies, do it upright, and do it for the people that were there from the beginning. Maybe that is their mission. See, I have the same – when I uh, – now, this is me, me uh, making this all about me once again. So. <laughs> sure. But when I switched – like when I took over All Games, All Games Network mm-hmm. we're right now, uh, everybody listen to All Games all the time, allgames.com. Uh, th- there was an old All Games, and I came in, and I was like – I need to make a lot of changes and do things that a lot of people aren't going to like. And because I, I want to see all games move on to the future and grow and expand. And a lot of people were like, we're doing good. We've been around for a long time. We can, if we keep going like this, we can be around for a lot longer. There's no reason to change. The people who are listening are a part of the community. Those are the only people we, we, we care about. And that's the only people we want as part of it. And I was like, yeah, we're going to have to change. Like, that's good. That was good enough, like, last year. Not, yeah. I don't – that's not the way I want things to go in the future. And we lost some people, but I think moving forward, uh, things are going to get better. And I think Twin Galaxies, if they did the same thing, they would lose some people. They would lose uh, – probably probably the entire retro side would, uh, would try to find someplace else or something else to pop up. But going on, they would be able to keep that legacy – and yep. also be able to uh, introduce new players, which I think is really important because, like, uh, history and history is good, but it's history, you know. Right. History. No, I mean, like, 
if if you don't mind me jumping in real quick, like I I kind of have to wholeheartedly agree with you. Like um, <clears throat> to a certain extent, the the whole reason I do gaming history one hundred and one is the concept that history never changes. I have the benefit that everything is in a solid state, but everything we say about history and or gaming at this point still stamps itself to what's happened at the moment that we record the show. It's all, you know, looking back from our own perspective. And at that same time, you know, that that's completely true to, you know, all the audiences, be it, uh, you know, uh, you know, the traditional retro gaming crowd, uh, especially arcade owners, um, that Richie Knuckles and um, the new Twin Galaxies bring to the fold. The problem becomes, do you want to maintain or do you want to evolve? Right. And, uh, and on top of that, um, the additional question becomes, um, you know, I, I guess when you're reflecting back on it, you know, you really need to figure out whether you want to move forward or you want to just stay stagnant. And it's great if you stay stagnant, but the reality is, and I think we've all noticed this, and I talked about it on one of my editorials for the B-Team podcast, um, they're a very loud few mm-hmm. that seem to try to represent the opinions of the masses. And, and, and we've just seen through enough sales data and, and marketing research that that's not true. Mm-hmm. The vocal few don't exactly reflect the behavior of the masses. That's a good point. So anyway. well, I think you should revisit it. It's not profound. No, yet. no, it makes a good point. <laughs> it's, it's just... So maybe, I mean, I think come back in a year from now, we can all discuss and see where what they do with it. Because I, mean, I, I honestly don't know what they are planning. And I could see them just maintaining. Like I could see that yeah, track. I... Because they are arcade owners and they do have a long history with all the old players, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's their strength, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like... Again, it's they're the, the the they're the popular cheerleader, but at the end of the day, do they net the value that they that they advertise? But then we and make the, the assumption concern. that they bought it as a business, but not as a like a hobby. And I'd like to believe that's not true. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, but it yeah. depends on how much they spent. Like if they spent, uh, I don't know how much they they bought it for, but the price also determines if it was a hobby or a business because it was like what. Five grand or something. Then you I'm know what? Pretty sure that was way more than five grand. Yeah. Hopefully, it was Pete, it was Pete Bouvier selling it. He would have gotten a lot of money because <laughs> Matt would know because yeah. <laughs> he'd been he'd been offered to um, sell it a few times before, and the price is always outrageous. So I think they paid a good chunk. Really? So it's a wow. good point. Maybe, but maybe they just had that chunk and they wanted to make sure Twin Galaxies lived on. So I it'd be interesting to, in a year to see what happens with it for sure. Do you think they could have actually bought it as uh, just as simply a marketing tool for their their arcades? They're like, no, we need a way to get people to our to our. Unless the business model has changed, I find that hard to believe. I think personally, I think but... Richie and Jordan are great businessmen, and I think they know that in their hands they could do tournaments across the states based on just arcade games and make. make well, remember, money back. the king of arcades seems to be a promotional collaboration, yeah. like all things considered including the kickstarter 
the the Kickstarter was for forty grand, and the adjusted budget for the movie was approximated at like what, like one hundred and fifty, two hundred grand. So I mean, they're getting bankrolled by somebody. Yeah. It's just interesting. So, I, 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 I think my main point is let's not make the assumption they bought it to turn it into a, a multinational right. company. Maybe they bought it because both of them loved the way the Twin Galaxies was. They want to rebuild that single portion of it and you know do what they can with that. But why though? Like, like if that's what they want to do, couldn't they just say, Richie, this is a new, this is the Richie Knuckles high scoreboard, and like start from because all they all if they're going to do that, then they don't need the Twin Galaxies name, do they? Well, they got the database along with it. Like they got the rights to the database. I think that's the. Main. And it seems to be their focus. Yeah. All so, those scores—that's I mean, that, that's where the money, that's where the value Twin Galaxies was. Was years and years of scores, and um, you know there is that belongs to Twin Galaxies. So they bought all that. Now it's theirs, and they bought the name too. And maybe you know that name does still carry with a lot of those people. Well, and, and some people in the chat are talking about this, like Twin Galaxies. Right now, if you go there, there's really nothing there. No. It's like a work in progress. They, it's a, it's, it's a, a blanket statement at a, at a goal. <laughs> and so our hopes are that we're kind of speculating on what that goal is, and our hopes are that one of these end up being the goal. Yeah. And again, you have you have two sides you can take on this. You can look at the positive side and or what you think they're going to do, or you can be super negative and think they're just trying to fuck you and. <laughs> That's fine too. If that's what they're uh, going to keep. Then I'm pretty sure they're going to be keeping it old school. Yeah, and it seems very much like they're keeping it old school. But they seem to promise that no genre game, you know, modern day console will be left behind. So if they're going to really do that, I'd love to see it done. That's not like negative towards Richie Knuckles and and anybody who's who's working with Twin Galaxies. But it's one of those things where it's like. Okay, well, you're setting lofty goals, but let's see you do it. But I do wish them well. I'm pumped that the Twin Galaxies is getting another lease on life. I, I am pumped to see what they do with it. The next there is is a art manufacturer's challenge with a bunch of old arcade games. Yeah. So we'll see. But I mean, either way, Twin Galaxies was at risk of you know fading to obscurity. Now people are talking about it again, and I think. If anyone's going to do something with the Twin Galaxies brand, it's going to be these two guys. We just, I, I'm on your, your guys' side. I hope they do something with it and build it, but at least it's got a chance either way. Yeah, I'd like to see what they have to do. Um, but I guess on that on that point, um, I think we're going to call it a show. There was a lot of good stuff that came out. Is uh, First of all, Derek, Matt, is there anything you want to add on before we... Uh, kind of call it a day no um hire me if you need a writer <laughs> i'd love to once i get the budget i will Sweet. in the meantime you're welcome to uh uh just just in case we didn't make it clear throughout the course of this show if you're going to write for video games you better be prepared to do a lot of uh yeah. free writing. and get another job um <laughs> yes don't yes, make that for, your job by god you won't be able to pay rent for for like a week no. in a hotel uh, on what you make freelance writing, but you know that's why you got to make sure you. And it's it. yeah. Um, but having said that, um, all right. Well, Matt, thank you very much for being on and uh, discussing with us, especially um, 
the the lesser known times of Twin Galaxies, which I think are important to talk about. I think, and, and um, I really appreciate you having me. I hope I didn't ramble on about too many things. It's oh, not at all. You're talking to that's me. True. I just love talking um, stuff. <laughs> oh, and and we'll do it every time. Yeah. And Derek, um, oh. I hope to someday. Uh, Fulfill your need to have daily retro gaming talks because I do have them. I just don't have them with people. <laughs> I do have a plug, of course. Yes, go ahead. As always, uh, starting tomorrow, all games is uh, speaking of competitions. We're having, we're starting at least two more, maybe three if I could figure out something else. But at least two more competitions. There are uh, racing game competitions, time trial. If you have an Xbox 360, uh, it will be on Forza Four. You can win something. Or if you have a Wii or a Wii U, uh, we're going to be doing another one on F-Zero, uh, time trial. And if you have a PS3, uh, I'm working on that because game, because, uh, Gran Turismo 5 does not have any type of leaderboard, which is insane to me, but. Imagine that. Sony, forward thinkers as they are, <laughs> have given complete control to a Japanese, de- uh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting too negative, but anyway. <laughs> And I'm the Sony fanboy in the room. Well, no, maybe Matt I likes love them too. Sony. But, too but yeah, no, no. They need to get their shit together for some of the integration of Gran Turismo 5. Continue, Derek. Um, all games, <laughs> if you want more information about it, uh, it would all, it will all be on allgames.com. You can either just go to the front page, it'll be there. There's a competitions button you can click, and there's also an events button you can click. Basically, wherever you click on that page, you'll be able to find some information about the the competitions coming up and what you can win. Excellent. So, um, Matt, where can we find you uh, normally? Uh, I got s- stuff on Games Radar going up every week. Uh, Guinness, of course. Oh, that little site that you work yeah, for. Yeah, that no one knows about. <laughs> it's like the top site. Anyways, it's a big site. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I, I've, I've been there. I, I uh, plug it, I've done work for them and gotten a paycheck from they them. They actually, my um, experience with them. few and far between. Yeah. They're kind of picky for their writers. Yeah, but, uh, certainly are. But when they throw me a bone, they do. You know? uh, I got an early. I've been there for a long time. They, yeah, I got to say, they treat me really well. So we can talk a whole show about freelancing experience. I think it would be interesting. But... Yeah, there and um, also on other trade-related stuff that no one's ever going to read. So you can you can say it. Uh... What's that? Oh no, no, I I, I thought you were dodging um, <laughs> mentioning an outlet. I don't care because uh, uh, anyone who's at Gaming History 101 uh, knows that. Yeah, you can plug anything. Well, I go, I'm also on VGO as I think a co-host. I don't know anymore until I would like to believe. Is that so. back this week? It is coming back this week. The last I heard from John is coming rumor. back this week. We lost a very important co-host. Maybe she's coming back, Michelle. Uh, it's going to be a different dynamic. I hope he doesn't get all grumbly on me again. So it'll be interesting to listen to. Matt, if you're in a pinch, you can just text me, and, and I'll come on yeah. there. I'll help moderate. I'll help you guys mend the relationship and bring VGO to the glory that the two of you are capable of creating. So. When we work together. Until you find a third. Yeah, when we work together, it's, it's, a, it's a marvelous it's, thing. It's, it's, it's gold. It really is. There is a great <laughs> show of you being the girl and him being the guy 
that it just resonates with me. Man. It reminds me of high school, nineteen, you know, ninety eight. It was great. Um, yeah. And and Derek, where can we find you normally? Uh, Monday, I will be at uh, Depix Alive Loosely Edition, uh, hosted by Loosely. I'll be co-hosting that. Uh, we're having Mrs. Violence, uh, one of the top uh, FPS uh, competitive gamers, on uh, to interview. And Thursday is uh, my version of Dead Pixel Live, where I talk about whatever I want to. That's awesome. Derek. I gotta say, I, I oh, do. Sorry. I don't know. I was gonna no. say, Derek. We we're talking about who's gonna step in to fill the shoes of Twin Galaxies for the modern crowd. It sounds like you're doing a good job. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you pick up and run with that? Uh, actually, uh, one of my. I don't want to say this out loud. But, but I do will it. say it now because that's how video works. Uh, <laughs> my one, like one of my dreams is to like have all games be a destination for like competitions and leagues, but it takes a lot more than just putting a couple of high school, like uh, time trials and high score things up every couple of weeks and takes a, a concerted effort. And unfortunately, I don't have the time to do it, but uh, maybe one day in the future I can do that because I believe esports is the future. Are the, well, there you is go. the future or the future? Whatever. Was the future. It's the future. Will be. <laughs> but yeah, esports, I think, like, uh, at some point, like, kids are, like, if somebody spends their, a lot of time doing that, doing something, they want to see the best doing that thing. And that's right. what esports uh, do. So. There you go. Watch your back, Twin Galaxies. Yeah, so you, you heard it here first. So, um, Derek, for. Twin Galaxies new contemporary chairman. There you go. I will I will front that brigade. <laughs> <clears throat> so, all right, well, and uh you can find me on uh, gaminghistory101.com. Uh that's where we do uh most of our articles, retro playthroughs. Um somebody told me it was Contra's 25th anniversary, but I think it was a couple weeks off. But for shits and giggles, I might play through Contra 3 just to prove to myself I can, I guess. Um, and then for those who want contemporary gaming, um, I am on the B team podcast, uh, which is, uh, at the B team podcast.com and on all games every Thursday night at 9 PM. Good show. So, all right. Well, thank you everybody for being on. It was awesome to have you. And, uh, here's, here's proving that, uh, old school games will always win, but they are not more important than new games necessarily. So, uh, for everybody out there. Have a good week in gaming. Next week, we come back and do the Eco. I think that's how you pronounce it. Eco uh, Game Club. Eco the Dolphin. And then we... No, not Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> Eco. Uh, the Team Eco group. Uh, although, Derek, I promise you, we will do Echo the Dolphin sometime this summer. Funny. Uh, because everybody jumped on board with you. They were like, why haven't you done Echo yet? So, okay. We'll do an Echo the Dolphin Game Club. I promise. Um... But coming up in March is the uh, Shmup Appreciation Month. As a person who is a big fan of shoot 'em ups or shmups, um, I'm going to be covering them all month long, and you guys are going to have to listen to podcasts about shmups. But, called uh, you will die. You should look into that. <laughs> what? There's a great one called "You Will Die." Really good. Plug, I will plug. look into that actually. <laughs> we are definitely going to be looking into the. Uh, the much uh, many people have asked me about this. We will be looking into cave shooters and uh, various other uh, company-based specific shooters. So, cave and treasure will be topics coming up in Shm Appreciation Month 2013, 
and we are not going to stick to the shmups. We will stick to everything in the cave and treasure pantheon. So come join us for those. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you next week for Eco. It's still not too late to do it. I That game's apparently five hours. It's taken me about eight, but uh, we'll talk about that next week. So in the meantime, uh, have a good week, gaming, and we'll see you next Thanks, week. Red. Bye. Never funny. Live my life like a video game. Put my name on a high score. Continue to play. I just continue to play. Getting high and gay, I said. I live my life like a video game. Put my name on a high score. And continue to play. I just continue to play. Getting high and gay, I said.